0: Central Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 23, a disturbance on San Gabriel Avenue in Southgate. South Gate. That's all. Rolls and questions. gentlemen. Here is a little scene that might occur in any home. Mr. Atkins, head of the family, is just completing his evening reading of the newspaper. Mrs. Atkins is sitting nearby. Let's listen in.
1: Anything of interest in the paper tonight, dear?
0: Well, for one thing, there are about five big ads on gasoline. You know, gasoline ads often amuse me. (laughs) Now look at this one. The company has changed its story about four times in the last two months.
1: It may amuse you, but not some people. Just how in the world can anyone reach a decision about which gasoline to use? You know, it's impossible for them all to be the best.
0: Oh, well, we don't have to worry about that. I started using this Rio Grande crack when I first saw the statement about police cars and fire engines using it. You remember... Cracked is used by more police cars, fire engines, and ambulances in Southern California and Arizona than all other brands combined.
1: That's a pretty powerful statement. It certainly
0: is. And that's the reason I switched to Rio Grande Cracked. I figured that general claims were so much advertising. But a statement like that had to be backed up or they wouldn't dare say it. And we're sure you'll learn to depend upon Cracked. Try a tank full tomorrow. Sold by independent dealers in your neighborhood. And now it is with great pleasure that we introduce Chief of Detectives Joseph Taylor of the Los Angeles Police Department, who has brought as his guest a prominent Southern California peace officer, whom he will introduce. Chief Taylor. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I believe that after you have listened to tonight's Calling All Cars broadcast, you will agree with me that not all the glory for the solution of major crimes is confined to metropolitan police departments. Quite often, the police and detective work performed by officers attached to suburban departments is noteworthy from the standpoint of sound reasoning and clever deductive ability. This has never more forcefully demonstrated than in the case around which tonight's story is built. Too much credit cannot be given to Chief Mueller of Southgate and the men of his command who brought this case to a successful solution. I take great pleasure in introducing to you Chief Eugene Muller of the Southgate Police Department. Thank you, Chief Taylor. I feel highly honored to be your guest tonight and to be able to witness the broadcast of the dramatization of the first murder ever to occur in Southgate, a murder which, fortunately, my men were able to solve. In 1932, I was sent to Southgate on a 2 years' leave of absence from the Pasadena Police Department, where I was assistant superintendent of criminal identification. When I took over my new duties in the Southgate two years ago, I found a unique policing problem to be solved. The town is located almost midway between the harbor and the metropolitan center. It is transversed by several main north and south boulevards to the waterfront, and also by several through highways from the east to the west. Southgate, being one of the many cities in the vast networks served by the Los Angeles Police Radio Station, KGPL, I wish to pay tribute to the Los Angeles Police Department and to Chief Davis for the marvelous cooperation afforded the smaller suburban departments. In a town of small homes such as Southgate is, I did not anticipate much homemade crime, so to speak, but I did expect a lot of work cooperating with the sheriff's office and the Los Angeles and Long Beach Police Departments in catching fleeing criminals. In this, I was not disappointed. Those boys of mine down there and I have certainly had our hands full these past two years. And now, just as I am returning to Chief Kelly of Pasadena, I want to thank the men of the Southgate Police Department for their splendid cooperation during the time I worked with them. The cleanup of the city and the solution of the story you are about to hear is their work. And to them, I want to see the credit go. Thank you, Chief Mueller. One Sunday evening in March last year, Marjorie Barr and Rose Hammond, two young visitors from Washington, return to the home of a friend with whom they are staying in Southgate. Seeing the lights on in the house, they believe their hostess, Mrs. Laura Stevens, to be at home. They bid farewell to the boys with whom they have been riding and approach the house.
1: Sounds like Laura has company, Rose. Yeah. Look through the window, sailors. Well, I don't see Laura anywhere. Maybe she's in the kitchen. Door's locked. Ring the bell. Well, well,
2: well. Who's here? Little Mary Sunshine. Come on in, girls. Come on in right away. Where's Laura? Well, she'll be here soon, I guess. What are you boys doing here? Waiting for Laura. Bob is a friend of that's you, Bob? Sure. Laura's a pal of mine. Ah, good old
1: Laura. Is Laura expecting you? I
2: don't know, but she'll be glad to see us.
1: Well, how'd you get in? The door was locked. Oh, that'll
2: be telling.
1: Well, you've got your nerve breaking in here when Laura isn't home. Oh, yeah.
2: What's it to you, babe? <laughs> Who are you, anyway? Well, Margie and I
1: are friends of oh, Laura's. Okay, okay. We're staying here with
2: her. Well, that's fine. Come on in. We're all friends of Laura's. Come in and meet the boys and have a drink. Well, boys, look what I found. now don't rush me. Well, I don't know your name, Gal, but I'm Bob. And this is Bill. And Pete, And the snakey. here. When I know you girls better, uh, I'll tell you why he scars me. <laughs> and now, if I only had your name. <laughs> well, I'm Rose, and I'm Marjorie. Well, hey, that's twelve. Now we all know each other. Uh, yeah. Now, come on now, let's have a little drink.
1: Right over this I don't like the looks of this, Marjorie. Why? If you take a drink, I'll kick you around the block. Is that so? Well, it looks like a party to me, and I'm going to have a good time. All right, Smarty, but I'm just warning you. It doesn't look right to me. Hey, hey, come on, babe. Come on, let's drink up. <laughs> not I'll
2: for go. me. Are oh, you going pure, Amish? Huh? How, How about you, Amish? Sure. And the go. That's the way I like my women. You know, you and I will mm. get along okay.
1: <laughs> Maybe we are not that. Now,
2: hold on, let's drink up. An yeah. No, oh, thanks. I'll go get it right away. Hey, somebody's on the radio.
1: What do you want to hear?
2: Something hot. I want to burn a little Marcia.
1: <laughs> yeah, what is it? This is down to 61st and Broadway, receive work. We ain't got any way to get there. I know that. But maybe that means she won't be back until late. Well, what of it? We've got plenty of company here. Margie, I tell you, I don't like this at all. You come with me, and you'll go into the bedroom and lock the door. Why? Listen, these guys are pretty tight. And they're not going to sober the way they're putting away that lockup. Oh, no. Just because you don't drink, you don't like to see anybody have any fun. I tell you, I'm afraid of these fellas if they get any drunk. Oh, don't be a still. Now listen, you've got to come in there with me, Marjorie. Well, I won't. You may be sorry. Well, I'll worry about that. Hey, hey, come on, babe.
2: I'm getting lonely
1: over here. How's it? Come on, big boy. Marjorie, you're very foolish. Oh, go on to bed, you wet blanket.
0: Genuinely frightened at the antics of the drunken sailors, locks herself in her bedroom. A half hour, an hour passes. She is unable to get to sleep. For every few moments, one of the sailors bangs upon the door and invites her to join the party. About ten thirty in the evening, there is another knock on the door.
2: Rose! 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 Let me in! Get me in. Get you damn fool! You didn't have to hear it, did you? Come on,
0: we got to get out of here, fast. Terrified by what she has heard beyond the door, Rose jumps out of the bedroom window and runs for help to the house of a friend a block away. After calling the police, they return to the house on San Gabriel Avenue.
1: Well, there's nobody here. They've all gone, Mr. Townsend.
0: The place certainly is a mess.
1: Well, maybe they've taken Marjorie with them. Marjorie! Marjorie! Oh, she doesn't answer. The
0: door here is locked. But
1: that's the room I was in. I locked it from the inside. Let's
0: try the bathroom door. Oh, it's locked, too.
1: Oh, she must be in there. Marjorie! Marjorie! Oh, come on, Mr. Thompson, Help me open the door.
0: Have you got a key?
1: No, she's locked it from the inside.
0: Well, we'll have to break it down, I guess. There we are.
1: Turn on the light by the wall. Marjorie. Oh, Marjorie. What's happened? Marjorie, speak to me. Oh, Mr. Thompson. She's dead.
0: No, she isn't. She's breathing. That's a nasty touch she's got on her head. Pull that door open for me while I carry him to the other room and then call the police and tell them to bring a doctor. A few moments later, Chief Mueller of the Southgate Police Department arrived, accompanied by Dr. Misner and Officers Peterson and Mitchell. The doctor makes a hurried examination. Well, doctor, what does it look like to you? Fracture of the skull. It's serious. I've got to get her to a hospital. She seems to be semi-conscious. Can I talk to her? You'll have to be mighty careful not to excite her. I will. But you must understand that I've got to get some information from her. That other girl doesn't seem to know a thing. Uh, Yes, I understand. Go ahead while I'm phoning for the ambulance. Okay. Oh, Marjorie. Marjorie, how do you feel?
1: My, my, my head hurts.
0: Do you feel well enough to tell us what happened?
1: Uh, I'll, I'll try.
0: Who hit you on the head?
1: The, the barman. He, he hit me twice. He was drunk.
0: What was his name?
1: Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I never saw him before tonight.
0: What did he hit you with?
1: Uh, a piece of iron with string. I do it.
0: Why did he hit you?
1: They, they were trying to take the clock. And a cigarette lighter, and I—I I told him to get out, and then this blonde fellow hit me. Oh, I—I. I
0: quickly arrives and Marjorie is removed to the general hospital. Mrs. Stevens, notified as her husband's place of business, quickly returns home. Chief Muller questions her. Now, Mrs. Stevens, did you leave your house in charge of any sailors?
1: Absolutely not. The only people who had any light in here were Marjorie and Rose.
0: And apparently they gained access through the dining room window. The screen has been pried loose. Have you any idea who could have entered your house in such a manner?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Do you or your husband know any sailors?
1: Why, yes, one. His name is Bob Barnett.
0: Oh, how well do you know him?
1: Well, we have mutual friends in Portland. He spent a leave with us last Christmas. But Bob's not the kind that would do this sort of thing. What boat is this Barnett on? The Oklahoma.
0: Is he in now?
1: I don't know. I haven't heard from Bob since last Christmas.
0: Let's look in the paper here. Let's see the shipping news. Here it is. Yes, the Oklahoma is in. She sails at daybreak. Say, we've got to work fast.
1: Oh, I'm sure Bob wouldn't do this.
0: And you can never be sure what people will do, Mrs. Stevens, especially when they've been drinking what was in this bottle. Have you a picture of Barnett around here?
1: Well, I'm not sure. Let me look in these drawers here. Oh, well, I'm afraid I haven't. Wait a minute.
0: What was that in that last drawer? What? This camera. Hmm, it's got five exposures in it. Would any of them be a barnet?
1: They might. That roll has been in the camera since the holidays. Good.
0: Do you mind if I take it down to headquarters and have it developed?
1: I know. Go right ahead.
0: Fine. Thank you. Now, Mrs. Stevens, Marjorie said something about these sailors Why do you take some things away with them? Have you noticed anything missing? Well, of
1: course I haven't had time to look around.
0: Do you own an electric clock?
1: Oh, yes, a calendar clock. It's right up... Why, oh, it's gone. It's sold my table cigarette lighter. Oh,
0: yes, and the cord's been ripped out of the radio. Apparently, they intended to take that with them when they were frightened away.
1: I had a valuable watch in the desk here. Let me see. Why, it's gone, too.
0: Would you be willing to swear out a burglary warrant against the men who did this? I certainly
1: will. Hello. No. Yes, you yes, here. Yes. Oh, very well. All the lines please. It's for you, Chief Muller. It's it's the doctor.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes, doctor? <clears throat> I see. All right, thank you. Yes, I'll be at headquarters.
1: What is it, Chief?
0: Marjorie just died.
1: You <coughs> are a skull. Oh, that's <laughs> child.
0: To headquarters to await the developing of the role of film. At two A.M., the pictures are finished and brought in to the chief. Now let's see. Yes. Here's a picture of a sailor. Rose, do you recognize him?
1: Yes. Yes, that's one of them. He said he was a friend of Laura's.
0: Pass it to Mr. Stevens, please. Thank you. Well, Mr. Stevens.
1: Bob, all right. But I can't believe that he'd
0: do it. Well, that's not for us to decide. Captain Brett, Yes, sir. Draw up a complaint on the suspicion of murder and burglary against one Robert Barnett and three John Doe's. Yes, sir. Now, you'll sign those burglary complaints, won't you, Mrs. Stevens?
1: Oh, i hate to get Bob in trouble. He comes from a good family.
0: That may well be, Mrs. Stevens, but as I said before, it isn't for us to decide whether or not he's guilty. But if he is under the slightest suspicion, we want to bring him in and question him. If he's innocent... Well, you'd like to see him clear himself as quickly as possible, wouldn't you? Oh,
1: yes, that's true.
0: Then this is the way you can help us most.
1: Well, all right, then. I'll find the complaints.
0: That's fine. They'll be ready in just a moment. Now, Rose, do you remember the names of any of the other of those sailors?
1: Well, I never heard their whole names, but I heard them call each other Bill and Pete and Bob, and then there was one called Snake.
0: And those are the only names you heard? Yes, sir. Bob, Pete... Hill and the snake. Well, that may help us. Here's a complaint. It's fine. Now, Mrs. Stevens, if you please sign them right here on, on this line. Oh, Captain Brett. Yes, sir. Get King and Smith and wait outside in the car. We're heading for the harbor. <laughs> Screaming, the police car roars over the deserted boulevard to Long Beach, past deserted gas stations, beneath the skeleton fingers of Signal Hill, down through the quiet residential sections of the city to a grinding stop at the water taxi dock. The officers hop aboard the squat red speedboat and cut across the smooth water of the harbor. The boat throws anguished spray toward the pale equinoctial moon. The shimmering reflections of the waterfront lights, leaving the harbor like golden knives, are chopped into oblivion. As the racing boat rounds the breakwater and ducks the open sea for the silent gray mass of the Oklahoma. Around the sharp source the mighty warship. And the police officers are warping into the landing ladders beneath the brooding guns of sweeping sea dogs. Ten minutes later, they have explained their mission to Commander McFerry, the executive officer of the ship. And he has Barnett loused out of his hammock and brought before the officers. Now, when he comes in, don't make any reference to the murder. I want to find out if he was up there first. Sit down, Barnett. These gentlemen are police officers. They want to ask you a few questions. Yes, sir. What did you do up at the Stevens' house tonight, Barnett? Raise a little help? No, why? We got a complaint. We just had a little party. We didn't do anything out of line. Who do you mean, we? Oh, Bill Kozak and this fellow by the name of... uh, Wells. What ship are they on? Kozak is my division on board, and Wells is on the California. Get Kozak up here. Yes, sir. Who is the fourth man? I'll know his name. Was the fourth man in your division? Yes, sir. How long have you been in that division? Year and a half. A year and a half with the division, and you don't know the men in it yet? No, sir. You're certainly trying to help us, aren't you? Did you know that a girl was hurt at the Stevens house tonight? No, I didn't know that. Well, she was. I don't know nothing about anybody being hurt. In fact, he died a couple of hours ago. It looks like murder. Murder? That's right, Barnett. Now, well, what do you know about it? Nothing. That's all for the present, Commander. Bring him on, Greg, Quartermaster, and bring on Cossack. Yes, sir. give him time. He'll feel more like coming clean after he gives us some thought. In the meantime, we'll see if this other bird will talk. Well, you certainly picked out a nice pair to deal with, me. Kozak and Barnett are two of the ship's bad boys. Barnett are two of the ship's bad boys. Kozak, we understand you and some of the other boys got into trouble up in the Southgate tonight. Let's hear about it. There wasn't no trouble, sir. Who is with you besides Barnett? Uh, a couple other guys. Name them. I don't know. What did you do up there? Oh, well, nothing. Just had a couple of drinks, that's all. If it was as innocent as that, why don't you name them? I'm still under the weather, sir. I can't remember very well. This is a serious matter, Kozak. More serious than you can imagine. Who were these other men? Well, well, Harry Peterson was the only other one I knew. And was the only other one I knew. Bring Peterson up here, quartermaster. Bring Peterson up here, quartermaster. Yes, sir. And keep Kozak on deck under guard. Aye, sir. Well, it looks like we're getting someplace, Commander. Yes, it does. Three out of four. Now tell me, how can I get these men ashore to question them and get statements from them? Well, it will be necessary to get them bound over to you by a release from the Secretary of the War. Any trouble in obtaining that? None whatsoever. The Navy Department is only too glad to cooperate with the civilian peace officers in matters of this sort. Frankly, Chief, we don't want such men in our personnel. Two or three men of this type aboard ships contaminate the morale of the whole force. Like a bad apple in a barrel. Well, you can rest assured that we'll do everything possible to put them away if they're guilty. I know I can depend on that, Chief. Now, this well Barnett referred to aboard the California. Will I have time to question him this morning? I'm afraid not, Chief. You see, we sail for our maneuvers at dawn. Mm, that's too bad. When will you return, sir? When will you return, Thursday. Of course, there's a chance that Barnett is covering up a shipmate. Possibly our fourth man is aboard the Oklahoma. Yes, that might be Here's Peterson's huh? What did you do up in Southgate tonight, Peterson? I beg pardon, sir. With Kozak and Barnett. Why, I wasn't listening, sir. Sure about that? Yes, sir. I, I turned it lights out. I, I haven't seen Kozak or Barnett all day. If you're lying, I'll find out about it quick enough. Oh, no, sir. I'm not lying. I swear to God I'm not. Very well. Take him up, quartermaster, and hold him with the others. Yes, sir. Come along, then. Well, Chief, does he answer any description you have? Of course, my descriptions are so meager. But the victim told me that the man who struck her was a blonde. And this boy's a blonde. That isn't much to go on, of course. Thanks,
2: hey, Parkinson.
0: What is it? The master at arms just turned these in. What is all this? Well, this thing that looks like a street lamp is a cigarette lighter. Hey, that matches the description of the one Mrs. Stevens found missing. And this belly club. Here, let me have that. Yes, sir. A piece of lead with a string tied to it. That's the way the victim described it. Where did you find these? On top of Kozak's locker. We're, We're getting hot, Commander. And this cord was found in Peterson's locker with a liberty packet. A liberty check. He said he turned in his hat. The pack is signed by you, sir. Let me see it. But that's not my handwriting. Forging a liberty check. Well, liberty check. Well, if this doesn't turn out to be your man, you'll face a nice penalty for this job. It yeah, looks more and more like he's mine, Commander. Quartermaster. Place these three men in the brig at once. Yes, sir. Now, Commander, none of these men fit the description I have for the fort. And this description is the most complete of the bunch. What is it? Well, he's short. Well, he's short. Dark-haired. Heavy set. With a scar on the left cheek. And he wears a white wheel on his sleeve. That would be quartermaster or machinist mate. I'll keep my eyes open for him, Chief, while we're at sea. And when you drop anchor Thursday... I intend to have an order for their release from the Secretary of the Navy, and I'll be glad to get rid of her. We experienced no difficulty in getting the release of the men from the Secretary of the Navy. And thanks to some expert sleuthing on the part of Commander McCleary aboard the Oklahoma while she was at battle practice, our fourth man was discovered, fourth man was discovered in the same section with the others. He, Covington, Barnett, Peterson, and Kozak were delivered to us by the naval authorities on March 10th. During the questioning that same day, they admitted their presence in the Stevens' home, and Peterson practically admitted striking the fatal blow. The coroner's jury on March 13th indicted all four men for murder. They were speedily brought to trial and speedily convicted. Peterson was sent to San Quentin for from five years to life on verdicts of murder and first-degree robbery. Covington and Kozak drew five years to life on first-degree robbery, and Barnett, one to 14 years for second-degree robbery. Thus was successfully closed the first murder, successfully closed the first murder ever committed in Southgate. And you are to be congratulated, Chief Mueller. Congratulated, Chief Mueller, for the splendid man in which you for the splendid man in which you brought, conclu- you brought it to a speedy conclusion. To a speedy conclusion. You have listened to a true story of how police officers do their work. Police officers do their work. Unfortunately, many of our citizens do not realize the disadvantage realize the disadvantage in which an officer is placed when, investig- an is placed when investigating the treasure is placed when investigating a crime, and do not always give him the assistance that they are capable of giving. If they could realize that an officer was doing everything possible to protect their lives and property and would support him in his efforts, it would help to show the lawbreaker that Los Angeles and surrounding cities are good places for them to stay away from. Thank you, Chief Taylor. Company is proud and happy to make a most important announcement tonight. Here it is. Again, the city of Los Angeles has chosen Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline with Tetraethyl for the important job of fueling all police cars, fire engines, ambulances, motorcycles, and other emergency equipment. The Rio Grande Oil Company is appreciative of this great trust. ...and is proud of the very small part that Rio Grande Cracks will again play... ...in the day and play... ...in the daily protection of your life... ...the protection of your life... ...and your property Los is police calling all cars, attention all cars... Cancellate to broadcast 23 regarding the disturbance. Suspects have been apprehended. And that's all. Rose and close. Tonight you have heard Miss Ann Sawyer as Marjorie. Miss de Burke as Lowe. Miss Martha Wentworth as Mrs. Stevens. Miss de Burke as Rose, Miss Martha Wentworth as Mrs. Stevens. Mr. Hamlet Stafford as Barnet, Mr. Samuel Pierce as Peterson. Mr. Cleo Boardman as Kozak. Mr. Richard De- the Grand as Mr. Thompson, Mr. Robert Frazier as Chief Mueller, Mr. Wade Lane as Commander McCurry. and Mr. Charlie Long as Covington, Captain Vett, and the Quartermaster. This is Frederick Linsley saying good night for the Rio Grande, oil company.